Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we talk about different side hustle ideas, both what we're doing and things you might consider to earn an extra few bucks. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. And this week... We bring back the voice of Matt Trogdon, the, the fellas, fairly newly doing? married Matt Trogdon, if I might add. Marrying life is just full of bliss. I recommend it for anybody who is thinking about it and has found the right person. There you go. Well, we're glad to have you back on the show. It has been too long, and we appreciate you making some time to join us today. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. You're also listening to us in the past because Dan is currently dropping off uh, all of his money at Disney World at the moment. Uh, so we are recording this the week prior because Dan's got a week off in Disney with the family, which I know you've been looking forward to for quite a while, buddy. Yeah, it's been in the making for a long time. I am actually excited despite how much I enjoy complaining about it. Uh, when I get back, I'll report all the good things that happened. I'm, I'm very excited about seeing the Star Wars stuff. That never existed when I was at Disney World in the past. Now, is all of the uh, Harry Potter stuff, is that Disney as well? Or is that Universal? Ross, don't ask me hard questions. Uh, I think it's Disney. I could be wrong. I should know that. But but yeah, I haven't been down there in many years either. But I do hear that all the Harry Potter stuff is really fantastic down there as well. I have not read uh, one Harry Potter book. And I have seen one movie. And it was in the middle of the series. So I have no, my Rolodex of Harry Potter is basically empty. Wow. Uh, I read them very late and I got made fun of for doing it. I remember sitting on the beach uh, at one point reading Harry Potter uh, and my cousin was like, oh, I think you and my kids are reading the same stuff. And uh, I I enjoyed the experience of reading it, but getting made fun of and called out for it, I was like, you know, I, I read at a middle schooler level. This is fine for me. I'll give a shout out to my wife, Sarah. She's the one that forced me to read Harry Potter. I read the first book the summer of 2020 during the pandemic. Didn't love it. Thought it was fine. She told me I needed to keep going. I read the second book probably probably December of 2020. And then I had finished all seven of them by Valentine's Day 2021. I read the last. You did get hooked. Oh, I got hooked. I read the last book in three days. Maybe maybe less than three days. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, good stuff. That is not the topic of our show today, even though we wish Dan a wonderful trip down there in Florida. What we're talking about today is something that all three of us have a little bit of experience with, and then also through kind of guiding clients with some of this stuff. We're talking about side hustles. I have been uh, a DJ for going on more than 20 years now at this point. Like literally, it was something I picked up in middle school. It was, I think, the best job you can have in college. And I continue to put it in that side hustle category myself. We can talk a little bit about that. Dan, what is your current side hustle? I guess I have my hand in a few side hustles. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a co-owner of a brewery. So I guess you could put that in the side hustle category. We have harder... featured Crooked Crab on the show before. But yeah, that I think that's a 
I think it's a little bit more meaningful than a side hustle, if I'm honest, but uh, it's it's yeah. at least a real hustle. So I think my true side hustle at the moment is music related. So I play in bands every now and then. We have gigs. We go. We perform at venues or bars. And you know, if you have any musical talent, that's a good way to pick up a few extra shekels every now and then. So Dan, I, and we'll get into this as well. I think most of the time, musicians they're really just feeding the addiction. They're like limiting the loss on on the music spending rather than actually making a profit. But you could you can defend that point on whether or not I'm right there. No, for me that's very much true. This is a way to justify getting new gear and to practice and play and hang out with people. Uh but if you did truly want to make it an extra revenue stream, you can certainly do it. I, I honestly think one of the best ways to do it if you are a skilled musician is churches on Sundays pay big bucks if you can play keyboard or sing or you're a drummer. I see postings all the time looking for musicians to pay at churches three, four hundred dollars a service, and you know that's a couple hours of work. Wow, passing the collection plate on that. All right, so Matt, you are currently, I think, still teaching at uh, is it Babson College that you're teaching at? That's correct. So, somewhat like Dan, I also have my hand in a few different things. So, I teach financial literacy workshops through Babson College. I also do a little writing for a personal finance website called The Humble Dollar. And then I also do some private tutoring. So uh, I'm doing a few different things. All right. So all three of us have our hands in something. Um, Dan, let me start with you. And and I think that this is a... Maybe you, yours are so specific. So maybe this is a tough place to start. But um, are you into the side hustle thing just because you kind of are antsy and and, and get bored? Or it, was it kind of a directed financial goal that drove you there? Kind of how, how did you end up being a side hustler? Uh, I think part of it is I just like doing things and I get bored. But honestly, the music thing started from when I was in high school. So when I was looking to earn some money as a high school student, I started giving guitar lessons. That's how I got my entryway into being paid to do anything music related. Um, I continued doing music lessons for a couple years until I got partway into college and started gigging as a musician uh, and kind of never stopped from there. Matt, tell me about your journey, because I I think in our pre-show discussion, you had a little bit more hesitation in terms of kind of feeling like you're a side hustler, like entrepreneur. Um, I guess, how did you end up in the roles that you're in? And then tell me a little bit about what maybe prevents you from going further down that road? Sure. So Babson College, I got referred to them by a friend who is in the financial education content building business, I guess you could call it. So I got connected with them that way. And that's obviously an extension of my primary job, right? As a financial planner, personal finance and teaching uh, personal finance is something that I'm naturally interested in. The humble dollar, similar. I like to create content. I create content for my clients. And so some of that content is easily packageable for outside sources. And so I will do that from time to time. And then the tutoring, I got connected there through a friend who was the best man at my wedding, actually, who has done tutoring for you know, over 10 years and needed some help with a particular client. So I, I've jumped in that way. Bigger picture, 
as I said before our call, I, I think I'm less entrepreneurial than you guys are. Whereas I, I, you guys seem to look at possibilities and opportunities. I find that I naturally lean more towards roadblocks and obstacles and hesitations. And so if you were to ask me like, Matt, you need to go make a hundred dollars tomorrow, not through your normal job. My initial gut reaction would be, well, how the heck am I going to do that? I got no idea. So I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there are probably people out there who think about side hustles or think about ways to make extra cash and are probably hesitant and probably just don't know where to start. And so I do think that that's probably worth talking about here. Yeah. So I think there's a few things that we can get into into that. And uh, and you're right. For In my mind, if you told me I need to go make 100 bucks, if it was tomorrow, it would be a little bit more challenging. But if you said I've got a week to do it, I've got a bunch of ideas. I like it like immediately I've got I've got a bunch of ideas on how I could do that. Um if, like for example, right now me and Dan are doing the decluttering challenge as part of the show. I just sold an old driver uh on eBay for 53 bucks. Uh and the hassle of it is shipping it. I've complained recently about shipping things, including the mugs that I would actually love to ship to our listeners. So even though I complain about that, don't worry about it. I would love to send them to you. Uh, But the hassle of shipping a golf club is annoying. That being said, that's why a lot of people don't do it. And so if right now in, in my current state of mind, if you said I need to make a hundred bucks this week, what I would do with that idea is I would look up some yard sales. I'm sure on Saturday, being in the fall, that there's some yard sales going on. I'd go on Nextdoor. I would I would Google and look for a yard sale that if I could find one in my neighborhood, maybe I would go find somebody that is selling some golf clubs, drive around, see if I can pick up some clubs. Because at a yard sale, people go super low hassle. They underprice things because they're trying to move a lot of volume. They're trying to get a bunch of stuff out of their house. They really just want to clear it out and make a few bucks. And so I would bet that I can get a lot more on eBay for a golf club that I go buy at a yard sale than what I can buy it for at the yard sale. I would just arbitrage basically the hassle of unloading that golf club and the fact that they're not going to list every individual item at their yard sale on eBay. I could go do that for them, right? I can probably pay them 10 bucks for if I find a golf club that looks in respectable condition, pay them 10 bucks to buy it, turn around, flip it, sell it for 50 bucks and deal with the hassle of shipping. So I, like literally I could do that this weekend and probably come up with $100 in the next week. Yeah, I think I'd focus on selling my time. So some people have a skill that's marketable or even if you don't have a marketable skill and you just have manpower or human power, whatever is PC to say these days. Um, there are sites like Nextdoor you mentioned or TaskRabbit where you can just make yourself available for things like landscaping, taking trash out, all sorts of things like that. And people get on those sites and look for help all the time. So if if you told me I had a week to make a hundred dollars, that's probably where I would focus because you know maybe I'm not skilled at anything, but I could move something from point A to point B. And there's someone who doesn't want to do that themselves. I mean, there's no question. It's the fall. There's leaves falling everywhere. Just doing yard cleanup. Now, granted, yard cleanup is physically taxing work, and so maybe somebody listening to this, whether they are. Uh, unwilling or unable to do some of that work. Maybe that's a challenging 
way to approach it. And so I think for a lot of people, it's a matter of deciding what are you willing to do? Are you willing to trade time? Are you willing to trade effort? Uh, Are you willing to trade your intellectual capital? So, I mean, Matt, I think the fact that you're coaching and you're you're teaching and tutoring, what's a skill set that you have? I think it can be even simpler than that. I look at how many folks, even like my parents that struggle with technology, helping somebody learn to use their iPad right and, and and to correctly not get caught in phishing scams in their email and just like literally that type of teaching i i think you could go on next door uh and make a post that says hey i'm looking to do this type of work or these are my skill sets you know i'm willing to do some training if anybody would be helped by any of this i think similarly you know if you're going to do like leaf raking type stuff you know how hard is it to go print 100 flyers and walk those around the neighborhood, right? You could go to like, if you, even if you don't have a printer, you can go to a copy shop and, and probably for what, 20 bucks, 25 bucks. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't run copies like that in a long time, but run a bunch of flyers and quickly get your name out there in your local neighborhood. Uh, it's, it's just the sweat equity, right? I think a lot of people just fail to get started on something like that. And maybe that's not anybody's idea of a great day, but if you're in a position where you need some of that cash and you're tasked with, how do I come up with it? I think there's a bunch of different ways to do that. So I've seen a couple people in my life justify things they're doing on their own by sharing that service with others. On a similar note, talking about leaf raking, um, I have a neighbor who bought a riding mower. He just wanted one to make it easier to cut his lawn. But he justified that purchase by saying, oh, if I have this big riding mower, you know, I can offer lawn cutting services to people in the neighborhood and and just go around and quickly do a bunch of yards. And he used that to earn some extra income. So it's kind of like the music thing where I was doing something anyway, and kind of justifying it by using it as a source for revenue. But that's something that could be easily replicable. If you in your life purchase something, you know, that you can do at scale pretty quickly, you can just go around your community and offer that pretty easily to folks. And I promise you'd have some takers. So let's talk about some ideas that uh, we don't love as much. Because one of the things that gets pitched a lot, especially to folks that are looking to make some extra money and want it to sound easy, we see a lot of the multi-level marketing businesses. Uh, Now, I tend to really have a negative opinion of these. And I'm a little bit biased because of having seen them and some past experiences. I also think that anybody that is getting sold on their side hustle as you're going to get rich doing this is probably barking up the wrong tree. Um, But I really dislike the multi-level marketing schemes. Uh, Now, admittedly, I mean, my mom did, uh, I think it was... Herbalife for a little while. And I think she was doing pretty well with it because she was actually selling the product. She wasn't just constantly recruiting people. But Dan, you had some early experience that I think also tied in. And and it wasn't a multi-level marketing, but it wasn't that far off. What was your first kind of side hustle gig? Yeah. And speaking of barking up the wrong tree, you might hear my dog barking in the background right now. It could literally be anything. That said, early on when I was in college, I started selling insurance for Aflac which from the outside looking in and from the inside looking in was very much a multi-level marketing type structure. You have a product, you can sell it, but they also incentivize you to bring other people on board and you would get paid 
basically on every subsequent generation of agent that you bring in. And that's how you can grow to become a district manager or anything like that. So even though it's multi-level marketing, and I tend to not like that kind of stuff because you end up just selling to your friends and family and people oftentimes don't get much further than that. I actually had a very positive experience with Aflac because first of all, I left there with a marketable thing on my resume. I, I was health insurance licensed and life insurance licensed as a 19-year-old, which is crazy. You're doing real sales. It's a real product that you can sell to people. And their compensation structure was really good. Like I got residual checks forever as long as I kept my health insurance license active and company stock, which I didn't even know was a thing until I started getting statements and found out I owned X shares of, of Aflac. Um, again, if you're looking for like a real job structure where, you know, maybe you leave and have other experience that you can take to other workplaces, you know, maybe this isn't the spot for you and they recruit very aggressively. But as a salesperson, I thought it was great experience because you really had to hit the ground running and you made your cold calls and networked. And I don't know, I, I had a good experience. I thought there was the potential to earn good money without having to bring other people in if you were just committed to selling the product, which I still think to this day is a pretty good product. So Matt, let's talk about some of those those hurdles. You know, sure. what would... Uh, in your mind, is it easier if there's kind of like a job posting there and you don't have to go out and find the, is, is it the sales process that that you find kind of when you ref, when you refer to it as being an entrepreneurial leap mm -hmm. of like putting yourself out there is is that the hurdle? I think the hurdle is more of an imposter syndrome issue to be honest, and I think a lot of that I don't know if that is just ingrained in my personality or if it's part of how I was trained in school. So I was a history major in school. And my the first thing I wanted to do was become a history professor. And I actually went to graduate school for that. And when you're a history in history or in a lot of liberal arts fields, and I think maybe even the law as well, you are trained to look at other people's arguments and you're trained to look at other people and what they've written and you're trained to pick those arguments apart and say what is wrong with them. And then you are also trained to come up with your own arguments and to anticipate people trying to pick apart your arguments. And so when I think of going out and starting my own thing, my first thought is, well, I'm not qualified to do that. There's got to be someone out there that's more qualified to do that than I am right? Or there's got to be someone out there that would be better doing that than I would. And so, you know, while that might help in an academic setting, it certainly doesn't help in an entrepreneurial setting. So one of the ideas that you had floated at one point, I don't think you actually did this. Um, but again, I think it's a valuable service and, and a neighborhood service was dog walking. Uh, sure. You know, I think we've got a lot of people that have taken on pandemic puppies of some sort and and are looking for some help during the day as they're returning to work uh is that something that you would pursue or or did you how far down that path did you get i didn't get very far down that path the reason i didn't get very far down that path was it was very easy for me to figure out not figure out it was very easy for me to see what the barriers would be barrier number one well how am i going to find clients Right. And now, as you say, it'd be actually probably pretty easy. You probably just put up some flyers and, and 
maybe some people call you and if they don't, then no harm, no foul. But for someone who maybe is more hesitant, that could seem like a big barrier, right? Thought number two, well, if I was going to do this, I probably shouldn't do it while everyone is still working from home because everyone, no one needs a dog walker while people are working from home. So I can sort of already see or maybe come up with excuses for why this is not going to work and use that to justify why I wouldn't try to do it. Yeah. So I think, you know, for people that, uh, that's the hurdle because that if you're, if you're going to go out and pound the pavement and find your own clients, whether that's the investment of a few bucks in flyers or some business cards, or, I mean, quite frankly, I think kind of the hand-to-hand combat approach works really well, right? Like just talk to people with dogs, like literally in your neighborhood. If you see somebody walking a dog in the evening, like, Hey, do you ever need any help during the day? This is something I do. That's a very effective way to find clients. If you're in a dog walking business, that's probably the most uncomfortable for people that are shy or, or not, extroverts already. Um, but that's why the, these apps like TaskRabbit and some of these other, uh, I think, connectors of people needing and providing services are, are helpful. Now, for me, I, I tend to think of stuff like that as you're going to take a lot of margin out of my business for having done that. You're going to make the most if you put in the heavy lift. And when I say heavy, I'm literally talking about printing a piece of paper that says, I walk dogs, please call me. Uh, it's not that heavy, but you're going to give up a piece. And I don't know exactly what the structure is on TaskRabbit or on Uber on exactly how much they take for connecting you with people that need a service. But I think it's meaningful, right? I mean, you're probably giving up at least 20% to a third, I would guess, on some of those platforms. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And so for some people, I think it would be just easier or more comfortable to go and look for a part-time gig that is already being offered by somebody else, right? If you're not naturally inclined to try to, to go out and overcome maybe the mental hurdles of, of doing your own thing, there, there's a level of like mental safety maybe that is, that is involved in just responding to an ad for a job that is already posted. And I think some of those part-time jobs are okay, but there's a line where it goes from side hustle to job. The side hustle thing I like because you can kind of control your exposure to that because presumably you're working a full-time job during the week anyway, and I want to turn on or turn off that dial depending on what's going on in my life. Um, But there are some jobs that will have the flexibility to use hours whenever you want. You know, I think of something like a, a bookkeeper where a lot of businesses can't afford a full-time bookkeeper, but also need to outsource that role to someone. Uh, Having done that role for a couple businesses now at this point in my life, I can tell you that it's not a particularly... uh, um, Hopefully no one craps on me for saying this, but it's not a particularly skilled job. You You have to have some basic understanding of what you're doing, but it is in very high demand because if it falls on the owner of a business, it is using up their time that they should be spending, you know, managing or thinking strategically about their operations rather than data entry and categorizing. So things like that, you know, you could probably do on a flexible schedule. I think they would pay reasonably well. Um, and if you just brush up on some QuickBooks, bet you could put yourself out there and get as much work as you wanted. I mean, that's really the key is can you remove somebody's hassle 
in a way that is making their life a little bit easier. All, all of these kind of low-hanging fruit sort of jobs that we're talking about that I think somebody could make meaningful extra money, right? And what's meaningful to you kind of depends on what your situation is and what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe you're thinking about a side hustle simply uh, to, to go spend some guilt-free money, right? If you're wanting to take a trip or, or wanting to do something that you haven't built into your budget and you're hoping that you can do it, if you can do it with kind of this found money or so to speak, like not actually taking anything out of your budget, not reducing your savings, but you can just go do it. Uh, I think that's great. Other people might be looking to boost their savings and and don't feel like they're doing as much as they should be right now. And so they're trying to add to that. Uh, I think that's a less fun reason to do it, but a very valid one, right, is grow the top line if you're having trouble cutting to get the bottom line bigger, right? So, um but removing hassles for people is a profitable endeavor. You know, I think about the services I pay for in my life, whether that be having somebody come through and clean my home, whether that be somebody working on my yard. Any of those things are pretty easy to do. Yes, it's labor intensive. Like, yes, they're, you're, you're going to have to do the work. But I think that that's fairly low-hanging fruit for a lot of things. It's just think about the things that you get annoyed doing or that you know your friends are being annoyed doing and be able to insert yourself to take some of that lift off of somebody else. One one thing I really like about this idea and this discussion, I, I've worked with some pro bono clients in the past who are in tough financial positions and it's not because they're bad at budgeting. It's not because they don't understand why they need to save more money. It's not because they don't keep track of where their money goes. For a lot of folks, it's because they just don't have enough money coming through the door. And so the idea of side hustles, the idea of finding ways to reduce annoyance in other people's lives and make an extra dollar here and there, I think can be really powerful you know, for a certain subset of folks who who need extra money to kind of make ends meet. I absolutely agree. I think it could be a powerful thing. Uh, and as a basically career long side hustler, um, I, I've been a very appreciative of having that in my life. And um, and I, I think it's even for me, you know, the the DJ thing that I've had going for a while, it added some comfort in being able to make much bigger entrepreneurial leaps. Right, starting this company uh, was was partially made possible because I had that as a cushion. Um, and, and, you know, thankfully we're, we're up and running at this point and, uh, I'm not leaning on DJing to be my primary source of income, but, uh, it added such a nice fallback for me and, and kind of this mental safety net of still having a little bit of cash flow even during lean time. So, um, it, it's been just incredibly powerful in my life, both in terms of what I've learned from it in, in learning to be a business owner and learning to market a service, those are skills that have played through the rest of my career in many, many ways over and over again. And then also what I've gotten from it financially and and from the the rewarding nature of the work. It's it's something I've enjoyed doing. So um, for me, I, I just thought it was something that would be fun to share, fun to talk about. We'd love to hear from you all. If you've got a side hustle that you're either considering, something that you have done, something you've done in the past... Check your balances at Outlook.com is the email address for our show. We appreciate you tuning in. We hope to see you all next week on another episode.